Hi, everyone. It's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Kat Lee, currently a partner at Maveron. Maveron is a very, 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 very large venture capital fund. And why I thought it was interesting to talk to Kat is she has a fascinating story of how she went from working in tech to then switching lanes and working in finance. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm here with a partner at Maveron, Kat Lee, and I'm excited because she has a really interesting career path starting at companies like Facebook, head of culture at Pinterest, and now a partner at a VC firm. And we're going to get into some of the terms that I know are thrown around. Um, So welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love to talk first about, share a little bit about you, your background, um, what got you into the tech space. I started... In Silicon Valley, I was born and raised in Santa Clara, okay. so I kind of grew up with um, startups kind of happening all around me throughout high school and college. So it's just normal, it's just every day. Somewhat, yeah. yeah. And my dad, I sort of kind of lucked into it. My dad um, was a physicist turned engineer, and I followed in his footsteps. So I majored in computer science at Stanford, um, and I literally went into the company that he had worked at for 40 years, wow. which was Lockheed Martin. Okay. Uh, I was on this rotation program, and I quickly realized that I was not personally passionate about the defense industry. So I think I spent my entire living up until that moment sort of doing what my parents wanted me to do. And I think that a lot of that is cultural. And then having this moment that that didn't lead to my own happiness. So I did what most people do, applied for grad school uh, to try to transition in my career. And I went to grad school at Michigan to get my MBA. I knew that I wanted to work on products that I used every day. Um, That was just something that was really important to me. And so I ended up interning at Google. um, And luckily, I also got exposed to part of my internship was in India. And so that sort of opened my eyes to sort of this global environment and even having the opportunity of living outside of California, because up until that point, I was pretty much in California most of my life, saw at Google that there was just an incredible culture, incredibly talented people. But at the same time, the company felt really big. And somehow I just knew that I wanted to get back into a startup. Didn't really know how, but I heard from Sheryl Sandberg. Um, you just heard from her. It was like, yeah, she oh, spoke hey, to, no, Cheryl, yes, no, no, up, she spoke to all the interns. <laughs> and I happened to wow. be interning in her group, um, the online sales and operations group. And I mean, at that point in time, like Cheryl was an icon to me. Um, and she said uh, that she joined Google because she saw that it was a rocket ship. And then someone convinced her that that she should automatically join a rocket ship. And so I kept thinking, okay, what's the next rocket ship? So I looked around at my classroom and saw that everyone was using Facebook in 2007. Um, I was also really addicted to the product. So Facebook, of course, was not hiring MBA interns or, or MBAs in general. I saw that they were coming to campus to recruit engineers. Um, They were throwing a pizza party. I crashed the pizza party, introduced myself to the recruiter, told the recruiter how much I loved Facebook and how much I wanted a role there. And they luckily felt sorry for me and gave me the interview. (laughs) And that led to the offer. Wow. Um, But things got even more interesting. Um, My boss at the time wanted me to drop out of business school. 
Um, this was your boss at Google? No, at, uh, at Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Uh, and I had to figure out a way. I mean, I, I wanted to join Facebook. I literally considered it. But then I also thought about the wrath of my parents of not finishing grad school. And culturally, I think that that's uh, something that isn't, you know, it wasn't, wasn't something I was willing to consider. So I talked to my teachers to help me graduate early. Um, and I ended up graduating early and went directly to Facebook in early March. And there, I uh, had this amazing experience of leading a project called Facebook Fund, um, FB Fund, uh, where it was sort of my first toe in the water into making investments into companies building on top of the Facebook platform using the social graph. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! You gotta, you gotta go back to, yeah. to the lay, the lay women listening yes, and yeah. myself. What, what does that even mean? <laughs> so, so Facebook decided to open up a set of APIs. Um, or it's a way for developers to use or to make their apps more social. Okay. And it was an opportunity to bring your friends along with you in any sort of application or experience, whether that was on Facebook or off Facebook. And um, So Facebook would invest money in these startup apps to make them more social, whether they were going to be integrated into Facebook or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, uh, and the money actually came from Facebook's investors. Okay. And, um, and the purpose was to help start up the ecosystem uh, so that we could point to more examples of people building apps on top of the Facebook platform. Okay. Yeah. And so that was my first project. Worked on product marketing, eventually transitioned into developer relations and partnerships. And then my last role was um, program management and building tools for developers. Wow. And um, saw that growth at Facebook up until the IPO. And that crazy growth of 400 to 4,000 people was such an experience that I loved uh, that I wanted to do it all over again. So I looked around for the next rocket ship. I saw, uh, you know, I fell in love with using Pinterest. I was an early user in 2010 when it was invite only. Um, and I had met, coincidentally, the founder while I was working at Facebook. And Pinterest was his side project. So I emailed him and jumped into Pinterest as the third product manager when we were 35 people. Started our growth team with another engineer and helped us scale to 100 million monthly active users. And then was asked by... Um, our president to take on a role leading our B2B marketing team um, and help to scale to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And then my last role was stepping into um, head of culture, uh, reporting to our founders and scaling the organization across to, to really like bring our values to life. Wow. What an incredible career. I want to go back. Mm -hmm. You know, what I want to talk about what that conversation was like with your parents, because you said culturally it was really important that you follow in your mm -hmm. uh, family's footsteps and you said not going to do that. So walk me through what that was like for you and then for them. I think in some ways it was my um, journey to really learning about myself uh, and really thinking for myself. I think that there is a lot of Asian culture that is very much like you respect your parents. You, I looked up to my parents. And I think, you know, I'm also naturally very achievement oriented. So I think I had been following this playbook of let's achieve. You know, I was valedictorian in high school, went to, went to Stanford and then uh, started my career. And then all of a sudden it didn't work. I didn't love my career. Right. I didn't feel like I was achieving or learning. Right. And it kind of made me come to grips with who am I and 
What do I want out of life? And what makes me happy? And those questions led to me figuring that out along the way and figuring out at the very least, it's easier to figure out what you don't like. Right. And I was in pursuit of finding what I loved. Wow. And so that pursuing what you loved was more valuable than, let's say, the potential risk of upsetting your parents or, right, going against that grain? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, my parents also came around. That's good. But they, um, I mean, even in that choice between Google and Facebook at that time, I think my parents, I mean, obviously, like, my great-grandparents immigrated to the U.S. It's like you take that safer path. Right. Uh, Like, my dad spent 40 years in one job. Yeah. And so when they were like, Google, they didn't even know what Facebook was. Right. They were like, why would you turn down this really great job for something that college students use? Right. But obviously now they see that that was the the best path for me. Wow. And one other thing I wanted to ask you as you were talking about, you know, everything you studied, um, the abysmal stats of women in technology and staying in technology. I got exposed to this when we were developing our store concepts and it was all men at the table developing a dressing room for women, which Mm -hmm. was weird. Mm -hmm. Um, I began to just find out and research more about this. And it's like, I don't know, like there's no women, what is it, 2% or something, like stay in the pipeline. And so what made you stick with it? And what do you see that happens that so many women are just like, this is not for me? Mm -hmm. I think I grew up in a household that, I mean, I'm one of two daughters uh, and I'm the oldest. And I think that, you know, I think luckily I was exposed to technology very early on even in the very early days programming, because my dad was a programmer. So it didn't really strike me that I was the only woman until the workforce. Uh, And I think it is hard. There are moments where you feel alone and frustrated because no one gets you or understands you. Even in the latest part of my career, it's still a struggle. Uh, I remember very, very vividly at Pinterest, uh, there was a moment where I was the only woman in the room and I felt like I wasn't being heard. And when everyone left, I started crying. And uh, um, one of the other product managers uh, came in and he was like, hey, what's up? And when I explained to him my frustration, he said that he would help me. And that was actually incredibly helpful uh, to the point where when we had another meeting, he was like, hey, guys, he like pounded the table. Kat is trying to say something. We all have to listen. Wow. And I think it is like, well, one, I think I, I felt incredibly grateful that I had an ally and that that makes you feel less alone. I think that it is changing because in some ways people are becoming much more aware that uh, sometimes you do need to try to um, make room for different styles of communication and different people's perspectives. Because I think ultimately that, I mean, all of the research shows that that makes any experience or any product better. Agreed. And so what made you then say, okay, I'm, I'm at head of culture at Pinterest. I know you like to look for rocket chips. What made you pick uh, something in the VC world as the next rocket chip? Because that's a very different path. Totally. I saw in my last year at Pinterest that stat that Fortune put out there that out of all the venture capital funding, only you know less than 3% goes to all female founders. And that really shocked me. I just thought, what a missed opportunity. And why is that the case? And having had the privilege and experience of being at Facebook and Pinterest, I thought, what can I do to help change that? 
So I started angel investing, not knowing what I was doing at first. Can you define what angel investing is? Yeah, uh, it's where you take your own personal capital and you invest it into startups that uh, either because you feel very strongly about the people or um, the vision and what they're trying to build, and you usually are the first money into that startup. And so I uh, started learning as much as I could about angel investing. Of course, I had the previous experience of Facebook Fund, but uh, that felt so long ago, and I wasn't as well connected with the community. So I went to YC Startup Investor School, and YC is a Y Combinator. It's one of the accelerators in the Valley. And then um, I applied and got into the first cohort of First Round Capital's Angel Track. And it is a program where uh, they take people who work at these startups and uh, sort of introduce them to either angel investing or a cohort of people who are also interested in angel investing. Uh, and I was very very grateful to be a part of that because that helped uh, really open my eyes into that this could be a career path. And this is something that I've got a lot of energy from. And then that led to uh, me joining Sequoia as a, or Sequoia Scouts program, which is where they uh, have a group of people that um, have the ability of investing scout money into startups. What is scout money? It's a pool of uh, funds that they've put together for, in some ways, angel investors okay. to to invest on, uh, and then you get some benefit from finding or scouting companies. That's where the scout word comes from. Gotcha. And then finally, that led to me meeting a woman named Aileen Lee, and Aileen, of course, was. Uh, or is the founder of Cowboy Ventures, as well as one of the women who started the All Rays movement, uh, a nonprofit uh, that focuses on increasing diversity of founders and funders. Um, and I spoke with her and she was really the first person to tell me, Kat, you should be a VC. Wow. And I really credit her to putting that thought in my head and making introductions to a lot of different venture funds, including Mavron. And what did she see in you that made her say that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think I think in some ways, I think she is just an incredible person and somebody who wants to give back. Yeah. I feel incredibly grateful to her bringing such awareness to the industry yeah. and opening doors to at least making the introduction. And I think it takes women, I mean, it's something that I keep in mind all the time of how can I give back? I think she truly opened the door for me. Right. And I just want to give a public service announcement to the women listening that, you know, I had Patty Sellers on and she said, if women talked about money the way they talk about sex, we'd be a lot further along. And so I think this is a really important episode because you're talking about investing and how women can get started with angel investing, even small amounts. You know, my first investment was $1,000 in something. And I was really proud when, you know, I did that because it meant that I, that was the beginning of my journey into this scary world. Uh, well, it's scary for me to be able to to put something that in a non-traditional form. So I, I'm happy you're talking about your journey here because I think if we did talk about money the way we talk about sex, we wouldn't probably still be fighting some of the inequities we have. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. What you say resonates so much with me. I've been trying to um, start 
uh, a bunch of sort of, uh, I started a pin angels group for Pinterest uh, angel investors, and a lot of them are women. But I do think that even for myself personally, there's a lot of intimidation to approaching it because it's not something that we're used to talking about. Right. And it's a whole new language. Mm-hmm. Like I still don't understand a lot of the definitions that are thrown into a document. And I'm like, I guess I'm just going to sign here because I don't know what any of this means and I'll figure it out later. And that's not a good, that's not smart, first of all. But when you talk about uh, there's angel investing, there's seed stage, you know, is is that where does Maveron come in into mm-hmm. the into the process of investing? Yeah, I mean, we come in at the earliest of stages. So primarily, we uh, do seed and ser- well, we primarily do the Series A. Okay. But if you think about the progression, it's uh, we also do seeds as well, uh, opportunistically. So angel investing is the first check in. They're typically individuals who are accredited investors. Then you have the seed funds and seed checks. Uh, and then you have the Series A, which so is... what would be the difference between a seed and a Series A? Uh, typically at the seed, you have uh, the team, a little bit of the idea and some sort of prototype. And perhaps you've launched your product, but sometimes not. Okay. And then at the Series A, you've typically found product market fit and you're looking to scale. Gotcha. Okay. So... How do you know when something's a good investment or not? What is, do you have like a spidey sense or is it a lot of research and vetting or both? I think it depends on the stage, but this is something that I am learning and still learning. Um, My partners always tell me that there's two questions that you have to answer. One, is this a good investment? And two, is this a Cat Lee investment? Uh, And I do think that given that there's a lot of science to investing, there's also a lot of art. And uh, one of the reasons why I joined Maverick and why I love uh, the way that we think about investing is we definitely uh, use our core values as a firm to invest. And those values really resonate with me. And I think it seems as we think about this, this set of entrepreneurs and we're we'll focus only on consumer investing. So it's any company that's building for people like us, uh, as opposed to businesses as the customer. So what kind of brands have you guys invested in? Uh, Allbirds, Everlane, Imperfect Produce, Modern Fertility. Oh, cool. uh, Two Chairs, CoStar here in New York, Mass. Wow. Yeah. I know a lot of those. Awesome. And so which are the ones that have been the Cat Lee investments? Uh, So there are two things that that I'm starting out with thesis areas. Um, And I do that mostly to give myself a little bit of a framework uh, so that it's not completely reactive. Um, One of my thesis areas is the underserved needs in a woman's life. It goes back to that ratio and it goes back to where I think it's a huge opportunity. So what does that mean? I am looking at companies that speak to women at these different stages. So one of my seed investments is in a company called Bloom, B-L-U-M-E. They make self-care products for girls at puberty. And what resonated with me and the types of companies that we invest in are founders who truly understand their end customer. Um, They know that those women uh, or girls who are going they're, they're going through all of these changes in their bodies. There isn't a company that own, that a brand that truly owns what these women are going through and can help them along the way. So they want to be sort of the older sister to give girls that confidence at that stage in their life. What's your decision-making process like for your investments when it's a Catley investment or just for your firm? I mean, for my firm, one thing I really 
uh, resonate with and I love is that we have these core values um, and it affects how we make decisions. So the values are one, we look for unapologetically non-normal founders. Uh, and we it's one of our values, unapologetically non-normal, because we believe we ourselves are, but at the same time, we know that in order to build a company, you have to be comfortable and self-aware and have that confidence uh, to be unapologetically non-normal. Um, second, we believe in ships over actions, which is shortcut for relationships over transactions. Um, and at the end of the day, we view all of our decisions uh, and investments as relationships. Um, it is a long-term relationship. And uh, the more that we can get to know each other and think about that, that investment in that way, um, I think that the more aligned we are in that sort of contract that we have. Um, and third, we invest in profit and purpose. We believe that there isn't a trade-off between the two. And so we look for people who want to achieve both. Um, and then lastly, um, the value is win the right way. It speaks to both how we work as a team um, and that we win as a team. You get all of us when one of us invests. And similarly, like we think of ourselves as part of the team of the founder. When I hear about, you know, different people that I've angel invested in, that they've been turned down by hundreds of VCs, A, some of them shouldn't have approached a VC in the first place. And B, what do you, t what do you tell those people that are like, oh my gosh, I just want to give up? And how do I secure this money? Or, or what, what could I do to overcome this challenge? I think it's hard to give very general advice. It's very much always on a case-by-case -case basis. But if I were to give general advice to that, I would say that a lot of times it is thinking, it is a mindset shift. And I've even had to go through this mindset shift to go from person who works at a startup where everything can work. And of course, things are going to, we're going to make it work. Uh, to transitioning to thinking like an investor, where um, you have to dream with the entrepreneur and think about how it works. But also, our, our jobs are to think through what are the different areas of risk and how do I get comfortable around those risks or mitigate those risks. And I think potentially doing that as an, an entrepreneur um, and trying to put yourself into the mindset of an investor and what could happen in turn or what other risk areas could potentially prepare yourself for the conversation uh, so that uh, you could have that uh, transparent dialogue with an investor. Hi guys, I hate to interrupt this episode, but I have to do an ad and it's for myself. I love doing this podcast. I love interviewing these women. So what I'm asking you to do is support me. If you are in the market for a beautiful bag or some wonderful apparel or shoes, buy Rebecca Minkoff. And if you need to buy a gift for someone, think of me. It always helps. It keeps the business going. And I would love to see you wearing your beautiful Rebecca Minkoff products. You can hashtag MyRM and thank you for the support. What are some of the unexpected or one of the biggest unexpected challenges you have faced um, in your career? doesn't have to be recently or if that stands out more. I think one of the challenges that I've had is trying to figure out how to separate who I am from my work. Yes. Because I, in some ways, am a bit of a workaholic. I've made some trade-offs in my life to focus on my work. I know most, most people don't talk about this, but I'm totally open to sharing. I am, you know, I've frozen my embryos twice. 
Wow. I did two rounds. Wow. Uh, and that's different than freezing your eggs. It is because I, I was married. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, or I, I am married, I should say. <laughs> but I was married and am married. Else. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. no, no. I am married. It's the same person. Um, but you froze the embryos twice. Yes. Okay. You know, I, and I took six months off um, after Pinterest. Yeah. Before starting at Mavron in January. Right. And I did that for a couple reasons. I did that because it felt like a good time to really reflect on what... I want my life the rest. You now I, I still feel like there's so much of life ahead, but I always love taking this, this time to just sort of check yourself and say like, is this, am I still staying true to what, who I am and what I want my life to be about? And to be totally transparent, I'm still wrestling with this question of, I'm at this age where do I want to have kids or do I not want to have kids? And I can imagine uh, life being really good either way. Right. Um, so I took that time for myself, really, to do a couple things to really check with what my values are and what's my purpose and how does life and work fit into that. And I went to a lot of different places. I also learned a lot of skills. I learned Chinese, which is I kind of reconnected with my culture and all of those things. I think that the challenge is continuing to take a step back and center yourself is something that I always find to be a challenge. And it's not like one moment, but it is something that I always try to figure out and something I'm always continually seeking. I love it. I was going to ask you what's one thing we'd be surprised to know about you, but I feel like you might have answered that, that you have these little guys on ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's wild is that you actually know the gender. Wow. Amazing. Technology is incredible. Yeah. So there's one other there's one other question I also ask okay. is what's one piece of advice you'd like to that was great for you that you'd like to pass on or or you learned yourself that you like to pass on that there's no one right path I love that answer there isn't and everyone no. everyone expects to hear your path and then they want to follow that one you know at least when they're asking for advice and I'm like you can't do that it's totally true there isn't mm -hmm. one right path mm -hmm. and then probably the other one is like just be <laughs> that's that's sort of the that's what I loved about the like what it was so provocative. Uh, someone told me to just be right, and I sort of contemplated that, and it was thinking that is really hard to do. But at the end of the day, like all we can be is the best version of ourselves, right? And how do you figure that out? Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. That was Kat Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear about what she's up to, you can go to maveron.com. <laughs>